Psalm 31, we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to come in here and to read your word. And I pray that your word is what's most important to us tonight. And I pray that you help me uh, to preach in a way that's going to bring glory to you, going to make your word understandable, going to help present things that that maybe you want to speak to us, dear Lord. And and God, maybe there are things that I don't say, but that you, you show us through your word. So as each one of us listens to and hears your word and reads your word tonight, God, I pray that your word and the Holy Spirit would work through your word. And I pray that Jesus would be glorified and that we would trust you all the more from coming and growing in your word tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we see with many of the Psalms of David, which this is one of the Psalms of David, uh, that there is uh, praise that David gives the Lord, and, and oftentimes there is distress that David is going through. And we see that in quite a few psalms. Uh, There are, I think, 150 psalms, if I'm not mistaken. And in a lot of those, uh, David wrote those. And and we see this theme of of praise, but we also see this this idea of struggles. And, And I think that's why, for me at least, that I like to go to the psalms because... They seem like they always kind of, I I can relate to what David's going through. Because usually I feel like, boy, everything's against me, everybody's against me. Or I feel like, golly, I've sinned so bad, God, how can you forgive me? But then there are other times where I'm just, you know, on fire for the Lord. And I'm reading the Psalms and I'm praising the Lord. So I can connect with David and his ups and downs. And some of you probably can too. That's why I like to to go to these Psalms in between uh, different series that we're going through, kind of give us a break and break things things up. And I like to do that here at church, and I like to do it in my personal life from time to time, to just flip open the Psalms. That's almost always my go-to, and you may have a a book in your Bible that's your go-to that you just, when you just don't know what to read, and you just need to read the Word, you just open to something. Uh, Psalms is one of those books for me, Psalms and Proverbs. Now, uh, if you don't have one of those books and you ever feel that way, Psalms is a good one to start with. Or you may have another book that that the Lord really speaks to you through uh, those passages. But uh, Psalm is, is, is good for all of us in that we all can relate to David. We can relate to those good times, and we can relate to those times where we sin more than we want to. When we do things we shouldn't are those times when it seems like everything is against us, or other people are against us. And that's kind of what David is talking about in this psalm. There's some praise in there, and then there's also some, some pleading that David pleads to the Lord. Hey, Lord, I'm pleading to you. Please uh, help me through what I'm going through. So, Psalm 31, verse 1. Lord, I seek refuge in you. Let me never be disgraced. Save me by your righteousness. Now, this is something something that I probably mention all the time, uh, but I mention it all the time because the Scripture says it all the time, especially in the Psalms, and that is the idea of seeking refuge in the Lord, letting the Lord be your foundation, letting the Lord be your rock, as we will read later on in this Psalm. That language uh, of God being our refuge or being our fortress or being our shelter or being our rock, that, that language, we see it throughout Scripture, and in particular, we see that kind of language in the Psalms. And here David says, Lord, I seek refuge in you. That is, you are my security. You are my protection. You are my strength. Now, we need to hear that because we we may know it in our heart and we may know it in our mind, but sometimes, even though we know that God should be our refuge and strength, sometimes we seek security in other things. 
We may seek security uh, in our job status. We may seek security in our in our bank account. We may seek security in, in our storm cellar, in our home, or how nice our home is, or, or, or how much success we have with whatever it may be, how good we may be at video games, or whatever it may be. The possibilities are endless, and there are a lot of things that we may seek comfort and seek refuge in. Perhaps it's drugs, perhaps it's alcohol, uh, perhaps it's uh, people patting you on the back. Whatever it may be, there are things that sometimes we want to seek those things to build us up, those things to make us feel secure, but not David. David says, Lord, I seek refuge in you. He didn't go to anything or anyone else. He didn't trust in any riches or any of his abilities. Instead, he trusted in the Lord and began to seek the Lord and only the Lord. Let me never be disgraced. Now, that's a good, that's a good request that David made, and it's a good request because if we put our trust in the Lord, if we seek him, guess what? We never will be disgraced. If we put our faith and trust in the Lord, guess what? We are going to be victorious eternally. We are going to be in the grace of God. We are going to be the victors. We are going to, uh, to, to be in God's presence. We are going to uh, have God's abundance of love and whatever he blesses us with. I don't have a clue what it'll be like uh, in the afterlife with the Lord, but I know it's going to be good. And I know to be with the Lord means that we will, we will not be disgraced. We will be there with the Lord. And David says that in his prayer here, let me never be disgraced. And that's a good prayer for us too. We seek the Lord, we trust the Lord and ask God, don't let me be disgraced. Don't let whatever it is that I'm seeking security and refuge in, God, don't let me keep seeking refuge in that and security in that because if we do, guess what? We will be disgraced. If we're trying to find our comfort and our security in things of the world, whatever that may be, guess what? We will be disgraced. Those things will never... uh, give us what we need. They will never fulfill us. They will never save us. But he says here, Lord, I seek refuge in you. If we don't want to be disgraced, if we want to be victorious, we seek refuge in the Lord and in the Lord alone. Then he goes on to say at the end of verse 1, save me by your righteousness. Now, isn't that that a good reminder to us? David doesn't say, save me because I am good. Save me because I am this. Save me because I am that. David doesn't, doesn't make any case for himself as to, Lord, you need to save me because of something that I have done or who I am. Instead, David says, save me by your righteousness. Because he knows that there is nothing righteous that he has done. David has, has done nothing on his own. It's only through the Lord's righteousness that he can be saved, that he can be spared. And we need to realize the same thing, that it's only by the grace of God that we can be saved out of whatever situation that we are in. It is only by the grace of God that we will escape this old world one day and be with him uh, for all of eternity. It's only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we have the ability to even be made righteous. And so it's not based on anything that you have done or anything that you will do. Now, religion would say, if you do all these things, then that's going to make you righteous before the Lord. But the Bible says if you trust in Jesus Christ, that's what makes you righteous before the Lord. David says, save me by your righteousness. David doesn't make a case for anything he's done. He doesn't say, look, I'm king. Look, I'm a man after your own heart. Look, I'm this. Look, I'm that. He doesn't do any of that. 
He knows his sinful state. He knows that he is hopeless and helpless without the Lord. And so he recognizes that he needs to ask the Lord to save him, not based on what he, David, had done, but based on what he, God, could do and had done. Reading a little further in verse 2. Listen closely to me. Rescue me quickly. Quickly. Boy, that's, that's what we want, right? I mean, we can definitely relate to that because when we are praying to the Lord and calling out to the Lord, that idea of God rescuing us out of our situation quickly is something that we all want. I don't know of anybody that's ever prayed, God, I'm really sick and I'm really hurting. Let me just suffer for a long, long time. Now, there may have been some people who have prayed that, but I've never come across any. But we always want things to happen quickly, right? And that's natural. That's normal. And I don't think it's wrong for us to ask God to heal us. Now, it may not be God's will, as we talked about just a few weeks ago. We pray God's will be done. And I don't think there's any wrong in us praying, God, quickly deliver me. God, quickly heal me. God, quickly help me. But we may discover that it's not God's will to do it quickly, or it may not even be God's will to do it at all. But David says here, listen closely to me. God, pay attention. I'm, I'm calling out to you. Do you hear what I say? Do you understand, God? Listen closely because I'm seeking you. I'm calling out to you. I'm recognizing that it's only you who can save me and who can spare me. Therefore, God, hear my prayer. Listen closely to my prayer and rescue me quickly. Now, I don't know exactly what David was going through here. I don't know exactly what he needed to be rescued from. It would appear from the context of the rest of the psalm that there were some enemies who were coming against David. We see that, but we don't really know who those enemies are. At least I don't know who those enemies are. But whoever it is that's coming against David or whatever it is that's occurring in David's life, he wants to be rescued from that. And there may very well be some things in your life that you want to pray to God and ask him to rescue you from. Maybe it's sickness. Perhaps it's an enemy. Perhaps it's somebody that, that hates you, that's out to get you, that's doing you wrong. Whatever it may be, we follow David's example. That is, we seek refuge in the Lord. We seek the Lord to be rescued, the Lord to be delivered, and the Lord to give us th strength through our circumstances, ever how long we may be in them far. Continuing on in verse 2, be a rock of refuge for me. There's that term that we talked about a while ago when we were talking about uh, God uh, being a, a refuge that we seek. He says, look, uh, I, you are my rock. Be a rock for me. Uh, I heard a joke today about, about Israel. Uh, the joke goes like this, that there were two angels that God uh, assigned this task to take rocks and to place them all over the world. And one angel went out and he took its rocks and all over the globe, he began to strategically place the rocks just where they needed to be in all the right spots. And the other, the other angel was too lazy, so he just dropped his rocks all around Jerusalem and Israel and, and was done with it. The point being there that Jerusalem and Israel is a very rocky country. If you ever look at, uh, at, at the land there, if you ever look at pictures, you see that there are rocks everywhere. And so to use this language here, God be my rock, that would be language that David would have uh, really been able to connect to. Now we 
probably aren't around rocks too much here in Liberty, Mississippi. Uh, We're not fighting battles. We're not having to hide uh, behind rocks necessarily. But in David's day, in, in, in time of battle, as there were many battles we see in Scripture, those rocks would have been a safe place. It would have been a place that you could hide. Perhaps we even are reminded of Moses as God uh, hit him in the cleft of the rock as God passed by. It was a place of safety, whether it was in the passing by of the Lord or whether it was in a time of, of war, uh, whatever it may be, that rock is something solid, something that can that is firm, that we can stand upon, that won't break, that we can stand behind and it will uh, protect us. And David says, be a rock of refuge for me. And that's a good reminder for us that God is our rock. That if we trust in the Lord, God will not be moved. It may seem that way sometimes because we may say, boy, my situation's getting worse. Is God here? Is God even helping me? I can promise you. If, if something is happening, it's because God is allowing it to happen. It's not catching God by surprise. He's not a God who's napping. He's not a God who doesn't know what's going on. He's a God who is just what, what David describes here. He's a God who is a rock of refuge for us, whatever we may be battling against. We can go to the rock. It reminds me of that song uh, that, that Eric sang here a couple years ago. It was beautiful. I wish he would sing another one for us, and I still remember that song, I Go to the Rock. And that's exactly what David was doing here. He was saying, God, you are my refuge. You're my strength. You're my protection. You're my security. You are a rock that I'm going to go to. A mountain fortress to save me. Verse 3. For you are my rock and my fortress. You lead and guide me because of your name. Now here we see that same language again. Who, it's because of God's name that God is with David, that God is protecting David, that God is leading and guiding David. It's not because of David's name, because what is David but a sinner? Who are you and I but sinners? Uh, so God, God's, uh, David recognized that God is, is going to deliver him because of God's name. Uh, we see that similar uh, thought process taking place in, uh, with the Israelites as they go into the promised land as, as Moses was taking them out and, and God was angry with the people and ready to destroy them. And Moses said, but what about all the rest of the people that hear? What about all the rest of the people that hear about the God of Israel that brought them into the wilderness just to destroy them? And it was for God's name's sake that God was patient and delivered the Israelites and did not destroy all of them on the spot. And David recognized that same truth here. And he says, look, uh, rescue me, uh, lead and guide me for your name's sake. And don't we need the exact same thing that David is asking for there, for God to lead and guide us there? Now those words, as I was looking at them, they, they seem kind of the same to me, and I guess there are probably some, some, some slight differences there. Uh, but the idea, when I read the word lead, I, I think about a horse. with a, uh, you, you, you got the horse by the rope in his mouth, whatever that's called, bridle, I guess, I don't know. And, you, and you're pulling him. I don't know anything about horses, but you, you, y'all know what I'm talking about because y'all are smart. And you, you pull that horse kind of where you, where you want him to go. You're leading him. And you, you're, you're taking him where you want him to go. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes that's what a leader has to do. A leader has to lead us where we need to go. Sometimes with a little bit of force. And that's what David is saying here. God, lead me. Sometimes we need that little extra nudge because 
Hopefully, if there are leaders that are uh, over us, they are leading us in the right direction, and we can be guaranteed that God is the best leader of all, and He is definitely leading us in the right direction. And God does guide us here and there. Uh, God kind of keeps us on the right track. He lets us know, no, you don't need to go that way. Maybe not forcibly pulling and leading us where we need to go, but giving us that little direction, giving us some freedom to go here and there. But as we begin to veer off course or begin to go in the wrong direction, God is there to kind of nudge us and guide us and say, hey, this is the right way to go. And David says, look, I need you, Lord, to lead me and guide me because of your name's sake. And guess what? That's something that the Lord will do. If we seek the Lord and ask him to guide us, he will lead us and guide us if we will listen to him. That's the tough part. A lot of times we may say, God, I want you to lead me and guide me. And God does. And we say, well, I don't want to go there. And so we just don't. We just plant our feet and say, well, God, I want you to lead me, but I want you to lead me here, not there. And God's saying, well, I want you to go there. But God, I want to go here. And so if we're going to ask God to lead and guide us, then we've got to be ready because he might lead and guide us. And he might lead and guide us where we don't want to go, but where he wants us to go. Verse 4. You will free me from the net that is secretly set for me, for you are my refuge. Now, obviously, there were some enemies that, that we won't see too much of tonight, but we will see more about uh, next week. Uh, but, but David is talking about this net that is secretly set, this trap uh, that someone has set for him. Now, perhaps he's speaking of a real physical net that's a trap. Perhaps he's using some symbolism here, although I would think that this is probably literal. But it is a good symbolic lesson for us. Now, there may very well be people who have set a trap for you. I hope not. I hope that you don't go home tonight and a big net scoops you up like you see on TV. But there may be times in life where there's people who are setting traps for you in some way. But at the very least, we can look at this passage symbolically and know that our enemy, the devil, is always trying to set traps for us. Traps that are going to lure us into sin, that are going to cause us to wander away from the Lord, to wander away from His leading, to wander away uh, from His guidance. And David says here, you will free me from the net that is secretly set for me. So that's a good prayer for us, that God, we ask God to free us from those things that may be set for us either by our physical human enemies or by uh, our spiritual enemy that is the devil. Those things that may be out to get us that we pray to ask God, lead us around those obstacles and those roadblocks and those things that are going to cause us to sin and uh, stray from you. He goes on to say again at the end of that verse, for you are my refuge. We've kind of seen this theme here in the first few verses. Who is the refuge of David? It is the Lord. Who is our refuge? It is the Lord. Now, we see through scriptures what the Lord does for David. If you haven't, you need to go and read uh, through the life of David, and you can see how the Lord worked in David's life. Not that David was perfect, nor are you and I. We are sinners too. Uh, but we see the very power of God and how good God is through the life of David. In verse 5, this one may seem a little familiar to you. Uh, I, uh, into your hand I entrust my spirit. You redeem me, Lord, God of truth. Now, the beginning of verse 5 there are the very same words that Jesus uttered just before he gave his life on the cross. He was, Jesus was quoting Psalm 31. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. David was saying, look, Lord, I'm giving everything to you. I'm putting everything in your hands. I'm going to completely trust you and all that's going on. 
David, David's trust uh, was in the Lord was greater than his trials. Now, we, we need to see if, if the same is true for us. Now, there are trials that some of you may be going through or may go through in the future, but the question you have to answer is what's bigger, your trials or your trust in the Lord? For the Christian, our trust in the Lord should always be bigger than our trials, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes we get down and we get worried and we get stressed and our trials and our burdens and our stresses begin to overwhelm us. But David had his, had his eyes focused in the right direction. He was pointed in the right direction. He was pointed toward the Lord. And he said, look, I put, I put everything in, 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 in your control, dear Lord. You are in control. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to, uh, into your hand, I entrust my spirit. You redeem me, Lord, God of truth. Verse 6, I hate those who are devoted to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Now, David is probably referring to his enemies here, those who were coming against him. They obviously did not fear the Lord, uh, and they, they worshiped false idols. We see that a lot in the Old Testament, this idol worship that took place uh, among these people who were not the Israelites. And David was showing his hatred toward those who would who worship these idols, who would not turn to a living God and fear Him and worship Him as David was doing, but instead were turning uh, to these handmade idols that didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear, but instead were carved uh, from wood by human head, hands are made uh, from stone. And David is saying, look, I hate, I hate those people that are doing those things and worshiping those worthless idols. But as for me, David says, I trust in the Lord. Verse 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your faithful love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my life and have not handed me over to the enemy. You have set my feet in a spacious place. Isn't that a beautiful reminder there that David knows that the Lord has seen his affliction? And it's a good reminder because we need to know that God sees our affliction. Sometimes we may not feel like God knows what's going on. Well, God must not know what's going on in my life or my friend's life or my family's life. Otherwise, surely he would do something he must not know. But God sees our afflictions. And David recognized that and he said, I'm going to rejoice in your faithful love. I'm going to rejoice because God, I know that you love me. I know that your plan is right. I know you're doing what's right for me. I know you see the situation I'm in and I'm going to trust you, dear Lord, because I know that you love me. You have known the troubles of my life and have not handed me over to the enemy. You have set my feet in a spacious place. Now, David knew that ultimately his enemies were not going to overtake him. Now, whatever our enemy may be, uh, whether it be uh, someone who's coming against us and whether it, be, uh, whether it be sin that may be in our life that we are committing, we can know that if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, that those things will never overtake us. Yes, someone may even be able to take our life, but they cannot take our soul if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It belongs to him. And David had that kind of trust, excuse me, he had that kind of trust in the Lord here. And he said, look, you have not handed me over to my enemy, but you have set my feet in spacious place. 
I think about that idea of spacious place, just being somewhere that's wide open. It's just, it's just calming. It's just free. Uh, when I think about enemies pressing down and having to hide behind a rock and having to look around and always people coming at you and having to look over your shoulder, there's no security there. There's no peace there. There's no rest there. But when God comes to our aid, He puts us in a spacious place. He puts us in a big green pasture, so to speak, uh, thinking of Psalm 23. He, he leadeth me beside the still waters. That is, God brings peace. And David found that joy and that peace in the Lord in the midst of his struggles, in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his enemies coming against, coming against him. He found security. He found comfort. He found peace in the Lord, knowing that the Lord was with him and would deliver him from his enemies and would give him the victory. And the same is true for us tonight through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we come to you and I thank you for your words. And I pray that we would just hide these words away in our heart and remember them at the proper time, dear Lord, and that we would uh, recall them, that we would live by them, that we would put trust in them, that we would trust you in the same way that David trusts you, dear Lord. And that whatever enemies may be coming against some in here, God, maybe it's another person. I pray that you would just uh, keep each one in here safe. I pray that you would deliver them from whatever enemy they may be encountering. God, maybe it's sin. Maybe it's that devil trying to uh, put something in their mind or trying to cause them to sin. And maybe they have sinned, dear Lord. But I pray, God, that you would just help them to, to, to turn from that, just to repent of that, God, to turn to you and to trust you, God. I pray that you would just help us to overcome whatever struggles and trials that we're going through. And we come to you as our refuge, that we come to you knowing that we have victory in Jesus Christ over whatever it is we may, be, we may face. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.